The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Expensive Words Podcast, also known as the Literary Symmetry IGTV channel. And today, uh, I'm not talking quietly because I'm not recording at... 7 a.m. in the morning. I'm actually recording in the afternoon, which is shocking. Um, but the reason that I'm able to record right now is because I finished book two of the Old School series. And if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Kristen. Well, let me catch you up really quick. Um, I decided at the end of last year that I wanted to write some books really quickly so that I could uh, serial release them by, you know, like in the year 2021, because I didn't come out with any fiction stuff last year. And, you know, I'm constantly talking about how to write stories better, how to write more compelling characters, how to understand your reader. And I thought, I need to prove that I can do this on my own so that when people hear me speaking, they're not just like, well, has she really done that, though? Has she? So <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to write five books in five weeks. And the way that that looks is that I uh, get up really early in the morning. I come down to my office. I write 2,500 words. I go up. I help my son with his digital learning stuff. Uh, we take a lunch break. We eat lunch. I He gets through his last class of the day. And then I come back down into my office and I write 2,500 more words. I go back up into the world of real life and I uh, make dinner and do all the rest of that stuff. And while my son's working on school, I try to kind of like, you know, I'm helping him, but I'm also working on literary symmetry stuff. And uh, so that's the craziness that is my life right now. And I was so excited when I finished the second book today, which, by the way, the second book is about Ava, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. She's like, all the things that I love that maybe we don't really appreciate in people sometimes, like she's trying so hard, and also that she is, she has a little bit of impulse control, which someone that I love really struggles with that due to a processing disorder, and I thought, why not kind of put that into Ava's character a little bit? There's also a ton of really healthy adults and some not-so-healthy adults around Ava, and we get to see how she's experiencing and filtering all of that. And, of course, uh, the premise of these books is that these three eighth graders are doing a challenge called the Old School Challenge, and at the end, if they win, they get 25 uh, – <laughs> Maria is just messaging me about Dash and Lily, which I told her to watch because she's having she's having a sad day. If you can send some positive vibes her way or if you're a prayer like me, if you could pray for her. Uh, yeah, 
I don't want to go into the details, but she's resting her body after something that happened. She had a little bit of a accident, not like a car accident or anything, but just, yeah. So um, <laughs> she's like t- texting me about Dash and Lily because I was like, go watch Dash, Dash and Lily. Because if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that I'm obsessed with it. I've watched it three times already, the whole thing. Uh, and I've also watched it with various family members. So, the sorry, back to the premise of the old school challenge. So some, one of these people, one of these, uh, you know, there's like two over 2,000 people that enter. And then like as the challenge goes on, less and like fewer and fewer people qualify to go into the next round. But we are following these three characters. And at the end of this book, I mean, listen, I know who qualifies for each round, Okay. I know, because I'm the author. <laughs> I better know. But, um, yeah, where we got to, we just found out that, like, the number has been whittled down from, like, over 2,000. And now in the last round, there's only going to be 250 people that get to the third round. So uh, this book finishes with the second round. And I have already talked about this on the show. I talked about this and Stop Lying to Yourself. But when I tell people that I'm writing 5,000 words a day, and I'm only writing on weekdays, by the way, the weekend is like my time for my brain to kind of power off, and then that way on Monday it can power back up. Uh, I am like making major sleep sacrifices to be able to do this. If you wait until you have enough time to write, you're not going to do it. But the reason why I wanted to try this experiment, and this is day 10, right? I'm do, I'm counting the days and number of writing days. So this is day 10 of the five books in five weeks challenge, which, which means it's the end of the second week. And I have two tangible books that the first drafts are completed. That's amazing. And the reason that I can do that is because I've spent such a long time figuring out what not to do in writing and figuring out how to use uh, emotional imagery, which I talked about in Story Boot Camp. If you haven't listened to that yet, you should go listen to it. Um, And because it tells you how to write short stories based on an autobiographical story or autobiographical feelings so that you can use those feelings to create emotional imagery inside of your short stories, which the idea of emotional imagery is that you're using visual, auditory, olfactory imagery, all those different types of imagery to create and evoke emotions in your reader so that you have an instant connection with them. Because when readers feel things, they don't just feel things for the stories. They feel things for the authors who wrote them. That was really good. I should write that down. I'm not going to write it down right now, though. I'm going to listen to this later and be like, oh, yeah, that was good. So that's what I've been working on. That's why I haven't been putting out a ton of episodes. Uh, I am going to release an episode later on this week or weekend about how to end scenes. Because as I'm working through all these stories, like I'm basically writing a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. That's kind of how it's working out because the chapters are around 2,500 words. And that's like I'm sitting down and writing that. Um, but the way that, like, I feel every time I end the scene is I'm, I'm like, do I need to, like, end this better? And I really think that I figured out a way not to stress this out. But I'm also going to talk about the mechanics of a scene. So that's coming out this weekend. But right now, I want to ask you a question. Okay. I want to ask, 
would you be willing to do something as crazy as I'm trying, like as crazy as I am doing right now, where I'm sitting down, I'm writing 5,000 words a day, uh, and I'm making time for my storytelling so that I can put out books quicker and also I can I can write quicker. Like that's the thing is if you – I'm just going to be really real with you right now and tell you that if you write fiction – we're not talking about nonfiction. We're talking about fiction. If you write fiction, the odds are that you are not going to have a book that sells forever. That's just not how fiction works. And uh, so <laughs> – The thing is, like, fiction books have a shelf life. And we've talked about story death before, right, where you can't revitalize a book once um, a traditional publisher has let it die because it's just impossible. But you can kind of try to revitalize your own books as you're working through and you're becoming better as a writer and all of that. But the truth is, like, you cannot make a perennial bestseller as far as fiction And a lot of people go straight to Harry Potter and they're like, well, that was on the bestseller list for all these years. But the truth is it's not – it is not – sorry. Timo's teacher is messaging me right now. Um, So uh, Timo's teacher is messaging me right now. This is like real life, right, where I'm like trying to juggle all these things. But a lot of people will be like, hey, Harry Potter was really popular for a long time. Whether or not you're on either side of the J.K. Rowling, uh, let's call it a little disaster. The truth is it it didn't stay a bestseller forever. And that's what's going to happen. And people are like, well, the Bible, that's a bestseller. First of all, like a lot of people consider that, myself included, to be nonfiction. So it doesn't work that way. You have to understand that if you put a book out that it is going to go out into the world, you if you're doing it right, you can make a couple thousand dollars from it, and then you have to move on to the next thing. That is why a lot of people don't even want to write fiction. They want to write nonfiction because nonfiction books have a much longer shelf life of when they can be valuable. They can sell thousands of copies, thousands of dollars worth of copies for years, like every month. And that's why a lot of people are like, I don't even want to write fiction. But I know if you are one of the people who wants to write fiction, that it is because you care about storytelling. And so that's why I'm trying to, like, streamline this process for you so that you can put out more meaningful stories and keep your fiction train rolling because you have to have more than one book. I would say you need to basically have, like, at least five books a year. And I'm not one of those people who's like, the more you write, the more money you will make. No, that doesn't work. And I know that because I've personally tried it and I failed at it. But when you are writing fiction as your primary source of income, you know that at some point that readers who exist out there who want to read your book are going to have read it and then they won't keep buying it. You see, that that's how it works. So even people who like, went hard into the fiction game, you know, 10 years ago. And I knew people that were making $9,000 a month. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. They're not making consistent income from those books anymore because all the people who wanted to read those stories have read them. And now they've moved on to the next thing. And that's why 
if you want to be a fiction author and have that be your primary job, you have to be putting out books all the time. And I know that sounds exhausting, but um, that's why I'm like working so hard to figure out a way to streamline it, to streamline your storytelling and to be able to put out a bunch of books and say like, okay, every year I'm going to write uh, I'm going, I'm sorry, my computer, like I'm getting all these messages and everything. I just need to like not look at it. Um, I'm tired because I woke up really early to write this morning. <sighs> take a cleansing breath. You want to take one with me? <sighs> Inhale, exhale. <laughs> so that's why I'm trying to figure out what if we could streamline it so that you can work really hard for two months out of the year writing, and then you can have two months for editing and setting up book promotions. And then the rest of the year, you're just selling those five books. And then the next year you start over again. So I'm testing it out on myself. I'm the guinea pig here so that I can help you do this in a better way that's not like all consuming. And honestly, so I'm writing about three hours a day, three to four hours a day. And if I wasn't also helping my kids with the digital classes, which I have to go help my daughter with her science right after this, um, then I wouldn't have to wake up at 5 a.m. And I wouldn't have to like be so strict with my scheduling all through the day because, you know, I could make time for my editing clients, no problem, and still have plenty of time to write. But because life is the way it is right now, you know, I have to be really wise with my time. But even with all these restrictions on me and all these distractions that I have, uh, I, I've still been consistently writing 5,000 words a day. I've written two books now in just two weeks. And yes, they're short. They're 25,000 words because they're middle grade. But, you know, I could do that. Like I said in the last episode, I could say, all right, I'm going to write a 75,000 word science fiction novel or space fantasy novel because uh, that's what I really love. <laughs> In three weeks and writing 5,000 words a day on the weekdays, I would be able to finish the first draft in three weeks. That's amazing. And I know a lot of you are going to want to get there with me. I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm working on a new book right now, a nonfiction book where I can walk you through exactly how I do this process so that you can understand how to build your own storytelling machine, which you make in here. And the first step is the storytelling mindset. The Storyteller Mindset, which I have not been able to record yet. It's sitting on my computer waiting for me to record it so that I can start that email challenge with you. And yeah, so that's the report from day 10 of five books in five weeks. I thought of the name for the final book in the series yesterday, and I told it to Maria, and I was like, doing happy dance, doing happy dance. But also I figured out um, I'm going to write a nonfiction book that relates to the four middle grade books as my fifth book. And that book is going to be awesome. And I'm making a teenage version for the middle grade readers. And I'm also making an adult version for the older readers because this book is going to totally change everything because it totally changed everything for me. And I'm excited to share that with you. And I hope you will tune in for the next uh, episode where I'm going to talk about how to construct a scene. And also, I want to remind you that it is never too late to write the story of your heart. And if you're looking for a free course or a free ebook on how to connect with your readers every single time, Story Filters is still available for free. 
I'm probably not going to leave it up for free that much longer because, uh, yeah, I'm smooshing everything and condensing it. But if you want to get a free copy of Story Filters, go to literarysymmetry.com forward slash Story Filters and you can get your free ebook that will tell you how to connect with readers every single time by understanding what description they want and what description they hate right now. And it's free. And also, if you're like, Kristen, I feel stuck. I'm trying to come up with these story ideas. Well, I would say, why don't you go get some other free stuff by going to literarysymmetry.com forward slash WTPR-F, and you can get the same worksheets that I use every day. Right now, I'm using them a ton, uh, and they will help coach you on how to organize your character's plot and setting so that you can finally start writing the story of your heart. All right, everybody have a good weekend. Happy writing. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.